Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about counseling anger from the book of James. Joining me today on the podcast is my friend and fellow brother pastor, Keith Christensen. Uh, Keith has served as the preaching pastor at Christ Fellowship Bible Church in Northwest Fort Worth for several years now. He is a certified counselor with ACBC, and uh, he has been such a blessing to our team here over the years in terms of the teaching he does in our training events and the contributions he makes on our website. And, uh, and just like today, helping us out with what I think will be a great conversation on a podcast. So, uh, Keith, thank you so much for being with us today for the conversation. Always a joy to be with you. Thanks, brother. So we're going to talk about um, counseling people struggling with anger from the book of James. And James is one of those books that is so practical and so relevant for so many life issues as James is counseling really the, the early church and uh, in a day when they didn't have a completed New Testament. So, uh, brother, I'm really eager to have this conversation. Uh, maybe just I'm curious, what makes James such a valuable book for counseling the topic of anger? Well, whenever you think about counseling anger, a few texts immediately pop into your mind, especially if you've been around biblical counseling literature, if you've been to biblical counseling seminars, conferences. Um, there, there are just some go-to texts on angers, and a couple of those are in James. Um, one of them is James 1, 19 and 20, <clears throat> which says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's 1, 19 and 20. Um, and, and if I could just speak on why that is, uh, such an important text briefly here. Uh, it, it is an explicit command that addresses anger. Be slow to anger. It's helpful in that it shows the possibility of righteous anger. It doesn't say no anger. It says slow to anger. And then at the same time, though, verse 20 uh, kind of categorically denounces the anger of man, which which uh, teaches us to be distrustful that our anger is righteous and um I mean, there, there's a lot more um, counseling gold for anger in those two verses, but but that's a go-to uh, kind of bread and butter for counseling anger. And another very important text for counseling anger that I'm sure many of the listeners will be familiar with is James 4. I'll read James 4, starting in verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? So quarreling, fighting, interpersonal anger. Is it not this, that your passions, literally your pleasures, are at war within you? Uh, so what you're wanting, verse 2, you desire and do not have, so you murder. And I assume that the Christians James is writing to are not literally physically murdering one another. This is talking about that heart murder, sinful anger. But what, what was the cause of it? Your desires. And then verse two, the second half of it, you covet. So that's another desiring word and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. 
So, so the thing that's, that's leading to our anger is uh, wrongful desiring. Our desires are out of order. And later in James four, um, we're, we're told that those sinful desires are in fact a problem of idolatry. Verse four, you adulterous people. Well, he's not shifting from all of a sudden talking uh, now about sexual immorality, whereas he was talking about sinful anger. But but this is a spiritual adultery, which, which is idolatry. And the scriptures uh, talk about idolatry in terms of spiritual adultery many times. And we know that because of the rest of verse 4. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Also, verse 5. Do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit he's made to dwell in us? So so if we're talking about God's jealousy uh, toward our unfaithfulness, I mean, this is this is the language of idolatry in scripture. So th- this is very helpful. Again, bread and butter of counseling anger that um, what causes angers is that we are wanting something too much, which is idolatry. And, and so the, these are two just cornerstone texts, um, that, that are helpful for, uh, counseling anger. But, but, you know, the, these aren't the only texts, uh, useful for that purpose in James. And, and so I'm especially excited to, to talk about others and, and maybe build upon the way that people, uh, counselors and disciples are already using, I hope, uh, James 4, 1 through 6 and, in James 1, 19 and 20 to counsel anger. Yeah, that's really helpful and appreciate how James gets to the heart of it right away in a short amount of space, you know, and, and even that models for us in biblical counseling. What we're often doing is uh, to be able to, to come up alongside a brother or sister, open the word of God to a relevant passage and, and try to get the heart of the matter so that we can be helping that person. And James models that for us in his own sort of counseling ministry to his audience, and then we can Use a text like that, of course, to help others. Uh, but you're right. These are kind of two probably more common, more well-known passages in terms of counseling anger. Uh, but as you alluded to, um, there are other passages that maybe we don't think of as passages that would be helpful in counseling situations like this. So give us some of the other texts that you found to be uh, particularly useful in, in that way. First, I'll go to the one that that I would put right up there with the two I just mentioned as important for counseling Anger and then time permitting, we'll, we'll add several other in James, um, to, to the tool, toolbox. <clears throat> so later in chapter four, um, so he's, he's, uh, 4.11 is where I'll pick up. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. So he's still talking about fighting, quarreling, interpersonal conflict, things under the umbrella of sinful anger. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother. Okay, and now he's about to say this is a bigger problem. Getting to the heart here, this is a bigger problem than just the way you're sinning against your brother. He speaks evil against the law and judges the law. You're, You're acting like the lawgiver. But if you are a judge, but if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. You're making yourself a judge. And verse 12 brings that out and well, and essentially says you shouldn't be doing that. Verse 12, there's only one lawgiver and judge. It's not you. He who is able to save and to destroy. 
but who are you to judge your neighbor? So this is helpful, especially when you pair it with the insight at the beginning of chapter four. The, The insight at the beginning of chapter four is that the heart of our anger is your uh, your desires becoming more important than pleasing God, heart idolatry. This insight in the middle of chapter four says also the problem is you are making an idol of yourself, essentially. You are acting like the lawgiver. You are acting like the judge. And in fact, what's happening is is whatever you're wanting that you're not getting that's making you angry, you are elevating that desire of yours essentially to a, a, the level of a divine law. You are making your will as if it's the will of a God. And if someone doesn't um, give you what you desire, you're judging that as being evil and wrong. Just like it's wrong for God's will to be transgressed, like it's evil for your will to be transgressed as if you are the lawgiver. And then also the judge. Uh, treating yourself, you know, ascending the throne, um, elevating your will to the will of a God, and then judging someone, again, as if you're in the place of God for your will not being done. And so I, I think that's a very powerful um, text and image for someone to understand and get in their mind really what's happening in the heart of their anger. It, it's not just this making an idol of other things that they're wanting, but it's making an idol of, of self. It's a God playing. Uh, so, I, I mean, you know, it's very convicting for all of us, but wow, so helpful to to dig down to the heart of our anger. And in, in, in uh, these verses in James 4 lays it bare. Yeah, no, that really is helpful. And as you're talking, I, I so appreciate you're doing so many things for us in addition to help, you know, showing us a, an important text that maybe we don't think of. I appreciate how you're modeling just how exposition works in the counseling room, that it's not, you know, biblical counseling is not just we pull one verse out of context and we kind of lob it over, uh, that biblical counseling, caring for people, is when we get in a passage like this and we just go verse by verse through it. And what you're mm-hmm. demonstrating is, is the, you know, even looking at the broader context, we see that there's additional helps and, and contours of insight here that he doesn't stop talking about anger back in verse three or four, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, the repentance part of that section and then another layer of significance in terms of acting like the lawgiver and judge. So I appreciate that you're, you're helping us to see what exposition looks like, you know, contextually understood in the ministry of the word and counseling. And, and you're right. It, it gives us even greater insight, another picture. That helps us to expose the roots of sinful anger and, and move toward repentance. So, um, well, now now that you've got us all excited about additional passages, uh, you'll have to give us at least one or two more, if you don't mind, uh, in James. What el- what other passages uh, have you found useful? Sure. Well, um, I think if you back up to, to James 3, uh, just the passage right before James 4, and, and Maybe before I say that, but if I could tack on something to what you said, expositional counseling. I mean, the, I, I, for the sake of time, I skipped, you know, from James 4, 5 to James 4, 11, but this, all the verses in between verse 5 and verse 11 are counseling gold right. for counseling anger. If you understand them in light of those, you know, two bedrock principles found in verse one and two and in verse 11 and 12. Yeah. But, but, um, We'll leave the listeners to, to figure that out. Um, so 3.13 through 18, that pericope, that, that's an important text for counseling anger. 
Uh, and in fact, uh, the, the one who pointed this text out and the one who pointed uh, the importance of 412 out to me was a series of articles written by David Pallison on counseling anger in the Journal of Biblical Counseling, JBC. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, that those insights made it also into his book, Good and Angry, uh, though I'm, I'm not sure of that, but, um, you know, if you, if, if those are in fact in that book, Good and Angry, uh, or if you can get your hands on those articles, he does a wonderful job applying this passage in James 3 and that later passage in James 4 to counseling anger. Anyway, this passage, James 3, 13, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Jealousy is a form of anger. Um, it, 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 it's an anger associated with not getting the affection or respect or attention that, that uh, you believe is owed to you. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, if you're acting in this way, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And, it, and in fact, in chapter 4, right, he, he says to get uh, what you need to do to repent of anger is to resist the devil. So sinful anger is, is devilish, verse 4. Sinful anger is demonic This uh, in this passage. And in the passage before this one, it says sinful anger is, is hellish. The angry tongue is lit on. Um, lit on by the fire of hell. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So what, what's, what's the opposite? The wisdom that you want to be governed by. The wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. It's not your sinful anger, cross-reference, you know, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 20. It's not your sinful anger that's going to produce righteousness, that's going to produce justice in response to this perceived injustice that's making you angry. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Um, so, you know, we, we could go into much more depth, but but I hope I've shown you enough to, to at least... Um, you know, tantalize you to the, uh, with, with the benefit of this passage, how useful it could be in counseling anger. And another great one right before it, I referenced it, the angry tongue. Um, starting in verse six, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. So the, the destructive nature of a strong warning of the destruction that comes from an angry tongue. Um, verse nine, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and father with it. We curse people who are made in the likeness of God from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? So, you know, that that's also a very, very fruitful text for, um, counseling anger, the danger of it, but also what, what incredible, uh, Corresponding put-ons are laid out for us in that text as well. Blessing people, praising God. Use your tongue for something better than sinful anger, Christian, um, by the grace of God. Um, you know, a, a, another one, um, going backwards now, 513. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. 
mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, this resonates with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful. They shall be shown mercy. It resonates with what Jesus said. You know, uh, if you don't forgive, um, then, then you can't expect to be forgiven. Um, so, so as one who trusts in the gospel and the mercy of God, triumphing over judgment against your sins, you, you image God in that way. You show mercy. Um, you, that broader pericope starts in verse eight, fulfilling the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? The, the ultimate uh, put on that corresponds to sinful anger. Um, backing up further, chapter, the end of chapter one, verse 26. Wow. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. <laughs> um, that's a strong statement. Uh, a kick in the pants for, um, someone who might be proud and, and frequently, uh, in, in chapter four says this, what, what the angry need to do is to humble themselves. Anger is a, a proud problem. Well, verses like this can help bring some humility, humility to those struggling with anger. If you can't bridle your tongue, your religion is worthless. But look at this put on verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. The godly heart required to do that is everything opposed to sinful anger, gentleness, uh, concern for the hurts of others instead of being hardened about hurting others. Uh, that that's in, 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 you know, that broader pericope, it, it that your religion is worthless, you're deceiving your own heart. That connects to the verses before it about if you're only a hearer of the word, not a doer, you're deceiving yourself. Yes. Um, you, you know, there, and there's stuff in chapter one and chapter five about steadfastness and patience. Um, obviously that pertains to counseling anger as well. Let me give one last one. I, I know we're probably uh, running up against the clock here and, and I regret. Uh, how many minutes consecutively I've talked without you getting to say something, but one more James one, 12 through 16. Um, blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Be steadfast. Um, you know, that that's related to the of patience. Um, it, it, it's, it's, well, I'm going to keep reading. Verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Well, that this is helpful in a lot of counseling situations. But anger, too, to say, where is sinful anger coming from? It's coming from your own heart. The temptation of the angry is to say... This person or thing outside of me made me angry. Well, this text says, no, that um, if your anger is sinful, then what made you sinfully angry is, is the sinful desires in your own heart. You made you angry. Um, so, you know, th- those are those are some of the texts. Uh, it, I, I wish I had taken the time to point out in those passages, too, there, there's a lot of, of reason to give to give hope to the angry. Uh, as well. And, and if you're an expositional counselor, like you, um, describe for people and commend to people, then the reasons for hope are right there by those verses that, you know, kind of beat up and beat down the angry mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. So, yeah. um, th- well, those are, yeah. those are some. 
No, that's good. And, and what you're showing us really is that from cover to cover, from from verse chapter one to chapter five, that uh, this this book is all about getting to the heart and ministering to the heart, and particularly how we can see several dynamics that are behind anger that James is addressing here. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out and helping us to see that. I appreciate what you said about hope, and that kind of segues into a next question, which is how do you use uh, material like this? How do you minister the word in practical ways, maybe bringing hope or bringing conviction? Maybe you can just guide, pick one of these passages and guide us through what does that look like to practically minister the word with one of these texts? And maybe you can speak even to some homework assignments you might give um, to to facilitate that and to bolster that during the week. Can I answer those questions in reverse order? You may. Um, I, I think just speaking more generally about how I you could assign things like this for homework is you you could use the book of James as the backbone for counseling anger and walk through either the whole thing, pericope by pericope, or just, you know, pick eight to ten that are especially pertinent for sinful anger or for the sinful anger that this, you know, your counselee or the person you're discipling is dealing with and, and, and assign it to them and ask them to, um, you know, give them some, some questions to ask how it, uh, to study ahead of time, how the passage, what it teaches them about sinful anger, how they see their sinful anger in particularly, in particular addressed by this text. And also you can just ask them directly as a homework assignment, how does this passage give you hope in, in God, in the grace of God with respect to this struggle against sinful anger? And, and the benefit of, of doing several passages in James like that over the course of time is, is the effect will snowball because they're under their ability to understand and, um, and benefit from each passage, uh, will, will grow based on what they've seen in other texts of James. Um, so, you know, or, or if, you know, if, if you want to do, if you need to do something more specific, uh, for them, uh, in, in terms of counseling their anger and walking them out, the practical, just kind of boots on the ground repentance of what that must look like in their case, you could just assign them to be reading James on repeat, uh, just devotionally and asking them specifically to, uh, make prayerful application, um, and, and draw hope from, from the book, uh, you know, at, related to that struggle concurrent with whatever very specific thing you're, you're trying to do related to their repentance. You, you know, uh, so, so let's say we did assign that for, um, for, uh, the, the first text I brought up, uh, James 1, 19 and 20. And, and I said, you know, what does this teach you about anger? We, we could talk about how this phrase slow to anger, how else that's used in scripture. It's used of God, uh, to, to call them higher that this, your, your battle against anger has a purpose that's, that's higher and greater than just, uh, staying above the fray of sinful anger. But, but in doing this, you are actually becoming more like God and more like Christ and showing forth his glory and doing what you were created to do to image God and his character. He is slow to anger. You be like him for his glory, for his good pleasure. Um, 
you know, verse 20, you, you could use verse 20 to especially talk about what anger is. Anger is the, uh, your response to perceived evil or injustice. And, and this talks about the relation of anger to justice, but, but kind of with a twist to say, uh, your response to perceived injustice is actually itself injustice. Uh, it doesn't produce the, the justice of God. Righteousness and justice is, uh, very often the same, comes from the same root Greek word. Um, but, but then if, you know, to show them where, where do you have hope? Uh, what, what can you put on? Well, let's start, let's start with that. Where do you have hope from this passage or the surrounding verses? I think verse 21 is one of them. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. If you will put on this heart posture toward the word of God, you can be rescued. You can be saved from this struggle. You can walk out the, the more of the fullness of your salvation and walk in victory over sinful anger. Or if this is not a Christian, you, you can be saved in the first place. And, and part of the hope also uh, in verse 19, slow to anger. God is slow to anger. He had, he, he is right to be angry towards you for your sinful anger because it's unjust, but God is slow to anger. He's a merciful God. If you come to him in humility and grace, you will receive mercy from him because he's slow to anger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the verses above this, verse 17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And why don't, instead of focusing on getting angry about these things you're not getting, why don't you put on this week you know, another good question in addition to how does this passage give you hope? Say, okay, well, what should you, what positive righteousness should you pursue as you put off anger? Okay, so instead of getting angry about the things you're not getting or not having that, that you may be wanting, why don't you, why don't you try and put on this heart posture that verse 17 commends of being grateful for the good gifts that God is giving you and, and cultivate a, a, a happy thankfulness toward God for um, so many good things that he gives you. I don't know. Th- those are uh, some initial thoughts of how you could counsel specifically that passage and also some general thoughts about how you could use this book in, in counseling anger. Does that help? Oh, absolutely. Keith, this has been so helpful to just modeling what we call expository counseling, right? Uh, uh, counseling care ministry of the word that is based on, a, a right and clear understanding of interpretation and application of scripture. And, uh, as you're sharing with us, you just see the scripture come alive with help for someone who's struggling with anger, both to bring them to repentance, to help them see there's hope for change, to see what drives anger. So now this has been a really helpful conversation. Thank you. Mu- thank you so much for your time and, and your, your effort to help us to better understand this. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you, brother. Well, thank you for listening to Counsel the Word. For more information about Pastor Keith Christensen and the ministry of Christ Fellowship Bible Church, uh, you can visit their website at ChristFellowshipBC.com. And uh, Keith is going to be one of our featured speakers this fall at the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship Training Conference. We do that here in North Texas every fall over three different weekends. And uh, we would love to invite you to participate in that. Uh, We have three different tracks from uh, uh, Fundamentals of Biblical Counseling, if you're brand new, uh, to a exam preparation track to help you with the ACBC exams. And then we have an advanced counseling track, which can serve uh, 
students that are already doing counseling or may want to pursue uh, additional education there. So we hope you can join us here in North Texas in the fall. And uh, for more information about that training event, as well as uh, all the resources we have, we invite you to visit us at our website at thecbcd.org.